Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. Come on, somebody give Jesus some praise in this place. Well, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. Have you worked it off yet? Some of y'all still in that hangover, that Thanksgiving hangover. But what I love about Thanksgiving is that it is a gentle reminder, sometimes not so gentle reminder, of all the things in our lives that we ought to be thankful for. Does anybody have a reason to be thankful in this place? Some of y'all seem a little unsure. Is there anybody in this place that's got a reason to be thankful? If you got a reason, you ought to give God praise right now. Come on, you ought to give God praise right now. I thank him for waking me up this morning. I thank him for breath in my lungs. I thank him that I'm in my right mind. I'm thankful that I'm saved. Come on, give God a thankful type of praise. Well, I'm, I'm in a whole different mood today. Because um, when I think of the goodness of Jesus, I mean really think of the goodness of Jesus and everything that he's done for me. You know, we're getting close to the end of the year. We're at the end of the year. Next week is going to be December. Isn't that crazy? It's December. And if you look over this year, for some of y'all, The devil didn't think you were going to make it past February. But you're here. Some of you didn't think you were going to make it past March. But you got to April. Some people thought that you weren't going to make it past May. But but you got to July. And for that, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I'm telling you, if I got to praise God by myself, I'll do it. But I just want to motivate you to understand how good God has really been to you. It's not just about turkey. And most people don't even like turkey, man. Stop playing. (laughs) Anybody love Thanksgiving food? How many are not, you're like, eh. There's a couple of us, right? Let Let me just say this. I was saying this to somebody earlier. If Thanksgiving food was so good, why do you only eat it once a year? When was the last time somebody invited you in July for a roasted turkey? (laughs) All right, grab your Bibles. We're going to James chapter 2, the book of James chapter 2. We're in the third and final week of our series that we are calling Faith. Faith. When you drove up, did you notice something different? What was it? Our building color has changed. Doesn't it look good? Wow. Some of y'all are going to be like, what? I didn't even realize that. You'll see on your way out. Just look back. All right, James chapter 2, verse number 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Oh, Lord, I could just, (laughs) I could go home right now. 
I'm going to say it again, though. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith? Remember, faith is simply believing that God tells the truth. What good is it is if, if you say you believe that God tells the truth, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see your brother or sister. James is like, listen, I know y'all are like, give me an example. <laughs> James said, I got you. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Believing that God tells the truth is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. <laughs> now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. You ever met these types of people? Some people get so hyped up on the fact that they believe God tells the truth, but they do nothing about it. And some people say, I don't need faith, I just do. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. If you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. <laughs> Even demons believe this and they tremble in terror. <laughs> how foolish. Can you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Ooh. And so it happened, just as the scripture says, that Abraham believed God, great, and God counted to him as righteousness because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. I might have to read that one again. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. One more example. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she, when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. And somebody say amen. amen. James is saying, <clears throat> it's great if we talk about faith and all it means and all it encompasses. And it's good if you have head knowledge of it. And it's good if you have cerebral understanding of what faith is. But James tells us that if the only thing that faith does for you is give you knowledge, it's useless. 
because faith has to be mixed with action. In order for your faith to be truly activated, you have got to move in the word that you receive from the Lord. So on this final message, I want to preach. My title for today is, Now Walk It Out. Now walk it out. And for some of you, there's gonna be a song that's gonna play in your mind. And I'm glad because every time you think of that song, you're gonna think about your faith. Because it's not enough just to hear about faith. The reality is that God gives us promises so that we might walk it out. And somebody say amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness and your mercy. I thank you, Lord God, that we have taken the day this week to just stop and say thank you. But I pray that as believers, we would live in a perpetual cycle of thanksgiving. I pray that we would wake up every morning thanking you for your new mercies and your grace. I thank you that you've drawn us into your house, and I pray that in the next few moments as we dig into your word, you would give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mind to understand what you would say. Help us to walk out of here different than the way we walked in. We give you name, the praise, the glory, and the honor, because you're worthy of it. In Jesus' name we pray. And somebody say amen. amen. Somebody give Jesus some praise in this place. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to preach very long, but I'm going to preach. So I just need about five people that are going to help me preach for the next few minutes. Is there anybody that's going to help me preach? And I may just have to preach to myself, but I feel like I got a word for somebody that you're going to walk out of here with a different level of faith, a different level of motivation to go after what God said belongs to you. And here's the thing. It's just going to be you and God. And too often we look for people to validate what God has given us. And God says, this word is for you. You ain't got to go give it to somebody else and get their approval on it. When God gives you a word, he expects you to believe his word and then head in the direction. I see I'm already preaching. Let me get back to my notes. But I'm going to preach for just a minute. Imagine this. You are at work minding your own business. Whether you're a construction worker or you work in front of a computer You are literally just doing what you normally do, okay? And someone comes up to you who is a wealthy billionaire. And out of nowhere, he picks you and he says, I want to give you something that I know you can't get by yourself. And he writes you a check for $100 million. That's a word for me. (laughs) He writes you a check for $100 million. Then he tells you, I promise you, this money is in the bank. He tells you, I guarantee you, buy this check, that the money's in the bank. Because a check is called a promissory note. 
It is an exchange of paper from one person to the next that promises the person who receives it that what is written on it is actually there. So this individual tells you, I promise you there's $100 million waiting for you at the bank. And in fact, to prove it, I'm gonna put my signature on this check as a guarantee that if it isn't in there, you have every legal right to come after me for writing you a false check. The only requirement of you are two things. You did nothing to earn it. You did nothing to convince this individual that you deserve it. All you have to do is number one, believe that this individual is telling the truth. And number two, you need to go to the bank and cash the check. There is nothing else required of you. You've been minding your own business, doing your own thing, weren't even worried about getting extra money. And somebody just rose up to you and says, I pick you out of the eight billion people in the world, I wanna write you a check that you can't earn by yourself and I guarantee the money's in the bank, I just need two things from you. I need you to have faith, believe that I'm telling you the truth and I need you to go cash it. Now, this is what's gonna happen. The first thing is you're gonna be suspicious. Why, out of all the people in the world, would you choose me? Little, oh, lowly, humble, insignificant me. I didn't do anything to deserve this check. You're gonna be suspicious. I know I would be. Hey, hey listen, I have a reflex with checks. Because I remember when I was about 10 years old, me and my brother, we, were, we started a lawn care business. Which basically means we just went to our neighbor's house with a lawnmower, knocked on the door, can we mow your yard? And we charged him $5 for the front yard. That's a steal, y'all. And we had this one neighbor that was on the next street. We knocked on the door and hey, can we mow your yard for $5? And she said, absolutely. So we mowed the yard for $5. When we went to get paid, she gave us a check for $5. We said, do you have cash? She said, no, 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 but the check's good. We went to the bank. The check was hot. $5 check. It took us more money in gas to get to the bank. We came back and said, so I got a reflex on checks, so I'm gonna be very suspicious if a person comes to me and gives me a check for $100 million, I'm gonna be like, wait a minute. So, so I'm gonna be suspicious, number one, of, of whether or not this is actually happening for me. And then the second emotion that you're gonna have is you're gonna be overwhelmed with gratitude. Because number one, hey, do, do, or is this really happening in my life? And then once you complete the fact that yeah, I did get this check, the second thing is you're gonna be 
enamored by the fact that you were chosen, that you didn't do a single thing. You are just grateful that you are chosen to receive this massive check. And you're overwhelmed by the fact that you did nothing to deserve it. You didn't do anything extra. You were just existing and the good graces of this person handed you a check out of the kindness and the goodness of their heart. But then the third emotion comes. You need to wrap your mind around the amount. Because it's very unlikely that there's anybody in here that just writes $100 million checks to random strangers. If you're in this place, stop playing. (laughs) Show yourself. (laughs) But we're gonna try to wrap your mind around the fact that you have a $100 million check. You know why? Because most likely you never thought that this was gonna happen to you. Maybe a $10 check, maybe a $100 check, maybe even a $1,000 check, but $100 million is exceedingly, (laughs) abundantly, above all that you were able to ask or even think. I would never have thought that I would receive a $100 million check. You gotta wrap your mind around the fact that this is an extravagant, generous display of love and and, and, and grace. And then here's the fourth. You're back to suspicion. You start with suspicion. You work through the emotions of gratitude. Then you wrap your head around the fact that this is extravagant. But then you're going to go right back to suspicion. Because if you're really going to be honest, you're going to look at that check for $100 million. And you're going to start to wonder why they didn't give you just cold hard cash. Right? If, this, if you really got this money, then why didn't you pull up with a truckload of cold, hard cash, racks of hundreds, stacks of $100 bills? If, if you really had $100 million and you really want me to have it, why didn't you pull up with one of them armored trucks full of cash so that I could go right now and count the money? So what ends up happening for most individuals that this happens to is they start going through their minds. What happens if I waste my time going all the way to the bank and that money's not in there? How embarrassed am I going to be if I ask to cast this check and the teller tells me the money's not in there? And what are my friends and family going to say when I tell them that I actually believe that some random person came to me and gave me a $100 million check and I didn't do anything to deserve it? And you start rationalizing what would happen if you went and cast a check so instead of going and cashing a check, you all of a sudden spend all of your time frozen in place bragging about the fact that you got a $100 million check. So now you start telling everybody, guess what? I'm on my way to being a millionaire. I'm a millionaire in the making. Look at my check. Look at, I got a promissory note from an individual who has receipts that they're wealthy and I've got a check from them. And now you start throwing parties. (laughs) Preliminary parties about a check that you hadn't cashed yet. And you start spending money of your own to celebrate the fact that one day you're going to cash the check while at the same time still dealing with the fear of what would happen if you actually went and cashed it. How many of us are doing that with the promises of God? 
how many of us, you didn't do anything. You were just minding your own business and God came and gave you a word and said, I promise you that this is going to happen in your life. And you started being suspicious. Why would this happen to me, God? You know my history. You know what I've done. You know what I've been through. You know that I haven't been faithful. You know that I'm not, that I'm unworthy. And then you go from that suspicion to gratitude. You come and shout in church. You tell everybody, man, God has given me a promise. And then you go back to the amount. How in the world? Would God find me faithful to give me all of this? And then we go back to suspicion. God, I know that you gave me this promise, but Lord, I just don't know how it's going to work out. So I'm just going to wait on the Lord. (laughs) And what ends up happening is we have promises that are checks uncashed. We got promises that God has given us that we've had for 20 years. And we've been telling our friends and family that God promised to do this in my life. And for 20 years, we've been staying in the same spot because we're. And God said, all I need from you are two things. I need you to have faith to believe that I actually gave you the promise. And number two, I need you now to walk it out. I just need two things from you. If you get a promise from the Lord, God only requires two things. He needs you to believe that he's telling the truth. And number two, he needs you to leave where you are and start making your way toward the promise. This is what James is talking about. James is telling us, hey, listen, church, you got promises. You have faith. You believe that God's telling the truth. But the problem is you're going to remain in the same situation that you're in because you will not move. And James says, to prove the point, I got to tell you about Abraham. So, so I went back and started looking at Abraham's life story. And and it's interesting, and I want to read this in James chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse number one. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. In this passage of scripture, we read about a man by the name of, his name was Abram before God changed it to Abraham. And Abram was 75 years old, minding his own business. He was a wealthy man. He was a man who was established in the community. He was doing his thing. He was married. He had servants. He had cattle. He had livestock. He had possessions. He was minding his own business. We have no history of his life prior to this passage. We don't know his relationship with God. We don't know what type of of work he really did. We have no context at all for this man's life, but we know that God interrupts him in the middle of his comfort zone and starts telling him, hey, Abraham, you, you can be satisfied with staying here. 
and doing what you've always done and being around the same people you've always been around and having the same livestock and going through the same emotions and going through the same motions and going through the same exact thing that you've always done. Or you can go leave this place and I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm going to give you things that you never thought were possible and I'm going to give you promises that you don't even deserve and I'm going to do things in your life that you can't even fathom yet but I can't give it to you here. So Abraham is faced with a decision now. Do I continue to live in my comfort zone where everything is regular, where everything is fine, where everything is dandy, where I love my family and I love my friends and I love my camel. This is my favorite camel. This is my favorite horse. This is my barn. This is my house. This is my bed. This is my seat. This is where I go eat every day. This is where I meet all my friends in the marketplace. And he could have made the decision to stay where he was and go through the motions of life or he could decide to believe that God was telling the truth. Can you imagine what Abram must have felt like to tell everybody around him about what God was promising him? Imagine how crazy he must have felt to tell somebody else that has known him all of his life. Hey, listen, Jedediah, God just came to me and he just told me he's going to do something great in my life. Can you imagine the ridicule and the scoffing and the mockery and the betrayal of all of his friends as he was accounting to them and recounting to them what God said he was going to do in his life? Can you imagine the embarrassment that Abraham had to go through? while he was telling people what God was going to do in his life. Can anybody relate to that? Can anybody relate to the fact that when God tells you something, you start getting nervous about who you want to tell? (laughs) Right? Because when you tell somebody that God is not going to leave you where you are, but that he's got something better for you, there are some people in your life that can't handle that fact. Because they like you where you are. They like you broke. They like you disgusted. They like you single. They like you begging. They like you wanting them. They like you in the situation that you're in because you've always been there. And it's a comfort to them to see you in that. And because God hadn't given them that kind of word. They don't want to believe it's possible for you. (laughs) Can you imagine what Abram must have felt like? Telling people what God was getting ready to do in their life. Can I tell you that most of the times in my life, when God begins to tell me stuff, and I'm very careful who I relay that information to. I don't go blasting it on Facebook. I'm not opening it up for comments and likes and dislikes. I don't want nobody in my DMs trying to discount what God is telling me in my life. I'm very careful who I go to with what God told me. Because it's really between me and God. So so God comes to Abraham and and God says, hey, listen, this is what I'm going to do in your life. And Abraham has to make a decision. First of all, to believe that God's telling the truth. Why? Because according to the circumstance in Abraham's life, this doesn't seem possible. He's been alive for 75 years. He doesn't have a son. There is no, it's literally impossible for him to have a family that extends beyond him. That's why he had Lot, his nephew. His Lot was his next of kin. Everything that Abraham had would have gone to Lot. So when God comes and says, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a son, it's no wonder that Lot had a problem with it. 
Because there are certain people in your life that want you in that spot because they're next in line to get your blessings. And when God redirects it, they got a problem with it. Have you ever noticed that there are certain people in your life that roll with you as long as you're right there where they want you? But the most important part of this story is that God told Abraham, what I have for you, I can't give it to you here. Because where you are won't be able to contain what I have for your life. Most of us don't want to leave where we're at because it's comfortable. We want God to bless me here. And God says, that's not how faith works. Faith requires action. Here's another thing. God didn't ask Abraham for his opinion. God didn't say, yo, Abe, I want to bless your life. I want to give you a multitude of children. I want want to give you, I'm going to take you to a land. I ain't even going to show you where it is. Now, let's talk about this. Let me get your opinion. What do you think? God said, no. Faith don't negotiate. Faith don't negotiate. God says either you believe it or I'm going to skip you and go to Jedediah down the street. I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. Whether you believe it or not is all on you. But God didn't have a conversation with Abraham to get Abraham's approval of what he wanted to do in his life and where he wanted to do it. Now, Abraham also didn't turn around and ask God, hey, can you drop a pen where you're leading me? (laughs) We have no record or account where Abraham requests of God to give him specific directions on where God is leading him before he would move. Now, how many of us (laughs) would stop and say, God, I need some more confirmation. I I need some more affirmation this is really you. I I need to know whether you're really talking to me or if I'm talking to myself. How many of us, when when God comes and he gives us this grandiose promise, we stop and we want more confirmation, more affirmation, more people to speak into it, more signs from heaven. We want God to speak with an audible voice. We want him to wake us up in the middle of the night with a dream, sweating, God. Now I know that was the Lord. <laughs> right? We're looking, we're looking in the sky to see if the clouds take a certain shape. You know what I mean? Like we're looking for trees to wave and say, yes, do this. Like we're looking for signs. Abraham had no types of question. The greatest thing that Abraham did is in verse number four. So Abraham went. What did he go after? He went after a word. He didn't go after any signs. 
He didn't go after any, any confirmations. He didn't go after affirmation from people. He went after a word from God because that's what faith is. Faith is, I don't, so faith is literally saying, God, I don't see it. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what route I'm going to take. I don't know what turn I'm going to make. I don't know what's going to wait for me tomorrow. I don't know what's waiting for me next week. But right now, I just believe that you tell the truth because the Bible says that God is not a man, that he should lie, neither is he the son of man, that he should repent, but has he not said it, and shall he not do it? And because the same word that spoke the sun into the sky, and, and the same word that spoke stars into the sky, and the same word that produced animals, and the same word that produced vegetation, and the same word that was spoken to Abraham, and the same word that spoke to Noah, and the same word that spoke to David is speaking to me. And because the word of God will always do what he has sent it forth to do, now I'm going to walk it out. I wish somebody would hear me in this place. I'm here to preach and tell somebody that the only thing required of you for you to step into the next dimension of what God has planned for your life is number one, you just got to believe that God tells the truth. Some of us are struggling with that right now. Because we've not, we've seen failure in our life and we've seen other people's words fail and other people's promises fail and we hold God to the standard of humanity but God says I am not a man. When I send my word to do something, it comes back and it says check, I done did it. And if you can have confidence in the word of God, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and it shall be done. I believe that God tells the truth. Somebody shout yes. Look at your neighbor and tell God tells the truth. Look at your other neighbor and tell him God tells the truth. And if you believe it, give God some praise in this place. I, I, I feel like I got to park here for a minute. Because too many of us are waking up and we just rely on the human, on the human aspect of our understanding and knowledge. And, and some of us, God's challenging our faith. He's challenging our mindset. And God is saying, don't you know that when I speak to you, it's the word of life. It's the word that produces. It's the word that accomplishes. It's the creative word of God. It's the creative word of God. God is the one who's able that when he speaks, something happens. It can be void. It can be dark. It can be empty. And God, when he speaks, it just starts happening. So I know that when God speaks, things are flying all over the place. And they're coming in the place that all it's doing, it's waiting for me to start walking. <laughs> on the word of God. I'm not walking on my own word. I'm not walking on my own intelligence. I'm not walking on my own promises. I'm not walking on somebody else's affirmation. I'm not walking on somebody else's confirmation. I'm walking on the word of God. If God said it, I believe it. I guess I'm just preaching to myself. But this is why Hebrews said that by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing, whoo, not knowing where he went. When was the last time you stepped out and you didn't even know where you were going? <laughs> when was the last time you started moving toward the direction of what God said? And when people are asking you where you're going, you just got to go, I don't know. <laughs> 
I just know that God told me to go this way. Uh, well, I don't have the affirmation and confirmation. I can't tell you where I'm going to end up. God didn't drop a pen. God didn't give me a map quest. God didn't give me a Google Maps. God didn't give me all that. God just said, I need you to leave where you're at. And when you start walking it out... While you walk, it's coming towards you. While you walk, it's making its way here. While you walk in faith and anticipation, it's on the way. I'm telling you, some of you, God is leading you to something that eye have not seen and ear has not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for you. But God is waiting for some of you to get up and start moving in that direction, even though you don't know where it's going to end up. I'm trying to stir somebody's faith. How many in here would say that you got a promise from God? And let me tell you, the only thing standing in between you and what God wants to do in your life is walking. We don't even run by faith. We walk by faith. You know why? Because God will give you time. (laughs) He just wants you moving. He says, I don't need you running toward it. I just need you to take one step. And you may have to look around. You may have to wonder what's going to happen, but then take another step. You got to just walk it out. It doesn't mean that you have to be on a fast pace. Sometimes my walk is like this. How many times have I walked into what God tells me to do? And every step I take, I look around and see what's what's happening here. And if everything's okay, I'll take another step. What God's trying to tell somebody is just don't stay on the sidelines. Get into the game and start playing the game. You're going to win. Some of y'all won't go on the field because you think there's a possibility of you losing. But if God has told you to get on the field, it's a fixed fight. You've already won. You may not know how you're going to win. It may be by a field goal. It may be 40 to 20. It may be a sweep. Whatever it is, I'm still going to win. Oh, my God. I'm telling you. You know why I'm so excited? You, 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 know, you know why we're painting this building? Because when I pray over what God has planned for our local assembly, God just said, now walk it out. <laughs> God said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring people from everywhere. God said, I'm going I'm to give you all a new building. <laughs> God said, I'm going to pack it out. God said, just put the chairs out. I'll put the people in it. Don't you worry about that. Just get prepared, and I'll make it happen. But for right now, I just need you to walk in the direction. So God, if we need to paint a building on the way to a new building, we'll go ahead and paint it. God, if we need to set out more chairs on our way to... <laughs> told you maybe I'm just preaching to myself but I refuse to stand quietly and watch everybody else walk in their purpose if God's given me a word I'm sorry you can stay here if you want to you can chill if you want to but I'm gonna start walking it out somebody shout walk it out somebody shout walk it out now give Jesus some praise in this place I'm telling you, 
If you got a word from God, you ought to have a boldness. You ought to walk different. You ought to talk different. If you got a word from God, you ought to be able to walk into your job on Monday and kind of have a little strut in your step. And they're wondering, what in the world did you get a raise now? But I'm on my, I'm on my way to go. <laughs> did you get that house approved now? But I'm on my way. I may be in a one-bedroom apartment, but next year I'm going to be in a two-bedroom. And then I'm going to sign a lease. And then I'm going to sign my name on a dotted line to purchase my house. I don't care how long it takes, but I'm taking one step at a time because I'm going to get to where God says. Y'all don't mess with me. Y'all don't mess with me. I know I'm preaching to somebody. I'm not preaching to everybody, but I'm preaching to somebody. (laughs) Because God didn't give a promise to everybody. He gave it to Abraham. And Abraham said, this ain't a word for you. And this ain't a word for you. It's a word for me. And since it's a word for me, I'm going to take off. Where are you going, Abraham? I'm not sure. Where are you headed to? Can't tell you. What's the guarantee you got? God? When was the last time God was enough? When was the last time just a word from God was enough to make you move? Oh, Lord, I'm supposed to take my seat. But I'm telling you, y'all better gear up because 2024 about to be different. Hey, you can repeat the same old thing. Some people are still living in COVID. The virus never left them. Still cooped up in the spiritual house. Coughing. (laughs) Can't taste nothing. Seeing strange things. God said, no, I don't gave you the antidote. I don't gave you a word. And I'm not going to give you another one until you move toward the one that I gave you in the first. Some of us are waiting for a second word and God said you ain't moving toward the first one. Do you have a promise in your life? Has God told you that he's going to do something good in your life? Then the question is, are you walking it out? Are you walking it out? Are you walking toward it? You may have to take one little step step and another step I don't care how long it takes but somebody gotta make up in your mind now I'm gonna walk it out now I'm gonna move toward it now I'm gonna leave the past behind now I'm gonna leave some family behind now I'm gonna disconnect for some people I'm not walking into 2024 the same way that I walked into 2023 I'm walking different Go ahead and give him praise if you want to. You can give God praise if you want to. If you got a word from God, you ought to give him a faith type of praise. I wonder how you'd praise him if it happened. there's any parents in here, how would you praise them when your children walk back into this place? 
the time. Stop delaying. Here's the cool part about God. God didn't do anything for Abraham for 25 years. Some of us Would have thrown in the towel by Tuesday. <laughs> now, Lord, you don't say it. You were going to do this. Even along the way, Abraham took some missteps. God said, No. Walk this way. You got to walk this faith out. It's not enough to say you believe it. You got to. Somebody shout, now walk it out. Now walk it out. Now walk it out. Do you believe God? Now walk it out. Do you believe that he gives good promises? Now walk it out. Do you believe he's giving you a word? Now walk it out. Somebody's faith, you ought to take it to the next level right now. For the next 10 seconds, you ought to give God praise for the word that he's given you. Come on, somebody. God praise because some of y'all you've already come a long way and God's never failed you yet and if he hadn't failed you up until this point he's not going to leave you to your next point if he got you from A to B he'll take you from B to C and he'll take you from C to D but he just needs somebody to now walk it out 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 this ought to be your anthem next time you think of what God's gonna do in your life and you don't know what you're gonna do with it just say now walk it out 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 
Now walk it out. Now walk it out. Now walk it out. My circumstance hasn't changed yet. I'm still gonna walk it out. I'm gonna walk it out. I'm gonna walk it out. I'm gonna walk it out. You look crazy. That's all right. Now walk it out. Now walk it out. You look ridiculous, Abraham. Now walk it out. Now walk it out. I'm telling you. I want this to be your anthem. I want it to be ringing in your ears. I don't know what I'm going to do, God. Now walk it out. Now walk it out. Redefine that song. Apply it to your faith. Well, how does it look practical? If God told you that he was going to use you in the ministry, grab your Bible, start writing sermons. If God said he's going to use you in business, write a business plan. I promise you for 25 years, Abraham was in that tent with Sarah. Am I lying? Could God have just spoke a son into existence? You know, Abraham. Now walk in. Now walk. Every time he went into that tent. Now walk it out. Now walk it out. Get ready, Sarah. Now walk it out. Did it happen? 25 years of practice. What is God asking you to move toward? You know what it is. Stop playing. Stop playing. Do not walk into 2024 looking for more confirmation. You don't have 75 of them. God don't give you dreams. Doesn't send random people at the mall. Don't talk to you through the scripture. I don't preach to you. Someone done told you at the altar. You got 57 words in your notes affirmations that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Now you just got to walk it out. Now walk it out. Now walk it out. Now walk it out. Now walk it out. Don't worry about how you're going to get there. Just walk. Make your way toward it. Somebody give Jesus some praise in this place. Okay, come on, somebody. Really give God some praise in this place. If you're going to walk in your faith, if you're going to walk towards your promise, give Jesus your biggest praise in this place. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. 
You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Embassy City Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Urban. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text Embassy City, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.